0: we stand here as a desperate people hungry for the things of you come quiet the storms that rage all around us so that we hear the passion that beats through your heart spirit put healing in our hands put life in our words and drive a passion for the lost deep in the hearts of your people inhabit the praises of us your children Father, send us out with a reckless passion, deliver us from evil, and set a standard of unity to break down walls and to heal your people. Unity is the cry of your church, Lord. Reconcile the children to the fathers and with forgiveness and mercy, rush through the hearts of our land. We cry out our deep need for you, Jesus. Oh God, come in power and bring glory to your name.
1: It is so good to uh, be together and uh, worship the Lord uh, this morning. Uh, through our singing, our praying, our uh, sharing, our listening, and we want to uh, to be the church that is united in Christ and uh, gathers together to receive from Him and then to to go out from this place and make a difference. And I'm I'm glad that y'all made it here through the fog this morning. I could see about a hundred yards when I left my house about uh, uh, seven o'clock. So. I'm glad that you made it here. We wanna make sure that you're able to get home as well. And the ushers tell me there's a couple of vehicles with their lights on that it may make it hard for you to get home. So you got a red Ford Mustang or a white Honda Civic LX, uh, just wanna make sure your car starts when we, when we leave here today. So just, uh, just looking out for you. The series that uh, we're in right now, I've got a pretty heavy ring back up here. Uh, Josh, we can deal with that. The series that we're in right now is called Yours, and it's with a capital Y. And Yours referencing that everything belongs to the Lord. And the goal of this is for us to remember that, that everything in creation belongs to God. And when we remember that, when we remember that everything, every person, every part, every possession, of our lives belongs to Him. When we remember that, then we're on track to bring uh, honor and glory to His name and we're on track to living and being as God intended for us and created us to live. So what I want you to do with me today, for those of you that were here last week, we, we shared this confession together. At the end of our time together today, I want to do at the beginning of this message, I want you to share this confession with me. Speak it out loud. Say this with me. Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the splendor, and the, ma- splendor and the majesty. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. And this includes today the church. The church, which is so much, so much more than just a building. The church belongs to God. And there's a description of the church, which I think of the church at its best, um, that we find in the book of Acts in a couple of different places. The description of the church at its best, and and it's something when we read this and when we, when we study it, we should seek to live up to it. Or maybe better yet, we should seek to live into this. We find it first in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, not long after Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, and then the day of Pentecost when he sent his Holy Spirit in a new way into the lives of believers, the church was described this way. Acts chapter 2 beginning at verse 42 says this. All the believers They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That sounds like a dynamic, dynamic church right there a church that belongs to God. In Acts chapter 4, a few more events take place, and then we see this description of the church. In Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 32, it says this, All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. And the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. To me, this clearly describes the church as a congregation of people who said, God, we are yours. We belong to you. And and we can see in these passages that when the church belongs to God, when the church is yours, there's some incredible stuff that goes on and a beautiful picture of what God calls us to be. When the church is yours, first of all, I see here there's a devoted community, a devoted community of people. In, In these passages, what you see described is that Jesus and his church wasn't just a part of these people's lives it wasn't just one factor among many other factors it wasn't just one segment among many other segments he was not just a part of their lives the church was not just a part of their lives it was at the center of their lives it's very very clear that they weren't just going to church they weren't just going to a place called church or to an event called church. They weren't just going to church. They didn't even own a building that you could call a church, like we do. But they were seeking to be something. They were seeking to be the church. They were seeking to be God's called-out people. And they devoted themselves intentionally. They intentionally gave themselves to the essentials that made this big difference in their life. You can read what they were giving themselves to. Praying, teaching, sharing, loving, gathering together. They were devoting themselves to those simple things and that was making a huge difference in their life. And as they were living, And as they were talking about Jesus, because they were doing both, they weren't just just living an example. They were also sharing verbally why they were living differently. As that was happening, as they lived and as they spoke Jesus into the, the world around them, it says that the Lord was adding to their ranks on a daily basis people who were being saved from their sins. On a daily basis this was going on. And so Jesus' words came true. The words that he had spoken to his disciples when he told them, they'll know you really love me if you love one another. And people were seeing that and they were saying, I want what you have and what you're talking about. And it seems real and it seems authentic to me. And they were adding to their number every day. They, they hadn't had at least at this point hypocrisy hadn't taken root hadn't taken hold and you will often hear at least I've often heard people say I really don't want to have that much to do with the church because I've seen too many hypocrites there but they weren't known for saying one thing and doing another that's not the description we see in Acts 2 and in Acts 4 those weren't the the main characteristics. Hypocrisy hadn't taken root. They weren't being two faced. Did you know that, that January, the month of January, did you know that this month, you know who this month is named for? It's named for the Roman god Janus. Did you know that? And January is a, is a derivative of that. Uh, Janus is, is the god who had two faces. Have you ever seen the, the, the depiction of that? We got a picture of that an old uh, Roman coin there. The God who had two faces, one who looked into the future and one who looked into the past. Uh, I just had a couple of thoughts when I discovered this about Janus. Speaking of hypocrisy, if Janus did something hypocritical, would people call him four-faced? Is that bad? Is that... That's pretty sad, isn't it? I've got more. I had, I had more thoughts along this line. D- do you think that he had 20, 20, 20, 20 vision? Tell me to stop if you want me to. How uh, many? Okay. Just a couple more. How, how about this? Do you think he could sing a duet by himself? Huh? It's getting worse, isn't it? How about this? If he went to a tennis match, would he have to turn his head from side to side? (laughs) Probably not. What an advantage. Good old uh, Roman god tennis. Um, And could could he ever truly say, could he really be honest and ever truly say, I never saw it coming? (laughs) I don't think so. Anyway, so much for that. Move on. The church at its best is not just listing statements of belief and putting them on a piece of paper or in a manual or on a website. The church at its best is not just listing statements of belief and then not living out those statements. But the church at its best, when the church belongs to God, the church is a devoted community that's devoted to Christ and devoted to each other and seeks every day to live up to what we say we believe. I think, I don't know if this is the right phrasing or not, but to me it seems like this. When the church is yours, with a capital Y, when the church is yours, when the church belongs to God, then the church is truly ours. But when we seek to make the church ours instead of yours the church doesn't really belong to anybody but when the church belongs to God the church truly becomes ours and when that happens people's needs are met people's needs get met when the church belongs to God we live in a very uh, very consumeristic um, society market-driven, commercial-oriented, get-this-get-that kind of society where, where we're looking for what we want. We're looking for products. We're looking for services. We're looking for companies. We're looking for organizations. And yes, very much so, my experience is, we're looking for churches that will give us what we want. We're looking for groups, companies, organizations, products that meet our needs. God has made it clear in the New Testament that the church is God's chosen avenue to meet people's needs. To meet people's true needs. Not not just desires, but true needs and that only really happens in a devoted community like we see described in the book of acts a a place where you seek to meet others needs by the grace of god where you come first not looking to say what will you do for me but a place and a community where you say How can I be a part of something that makes a difference for all of us? I like the way Paul described it in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians uh, chapter 6 and verse 10. He just simply gave these instructions. He said, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Everyone. We should be be seeking to, to do good to everyone, including everybody outside of these walls or outside of this part of the body of Christ. But then he said, but especially to those who are in the family of faith. Or your translation might say the family of believers. In other words, we should seek to do good to everyone, but we should start right in here. Which goes along with what Jesus said, They'll know you love me by how you love and treat one another. There's a, a, a tradition in old order Amish communities. The Amish are folks that we, our society kind of takes turns uh, lifting up and tearing down. We like to praise them at times, and at other times we like to make fun of them a lot. But there's a tradition in old order Amish communities that still exist in places like Ohio and, and Pennsylvania, where when, uh, as they live in their agricultural society, when a, when a barn needs to be built, they, uh, they turn to kind of a, a way of functioning that's not independent, but instead interdependent. When a barn needs to be built, they have what they call a barn raising. Maybe you've seen this in some movies or, or in some other way or, or read about it. They have a barn raising and they call the whole community together and say, we're going to have a lot of food that's prepared and then we're going we're to build this barn together and raise those walls and put it up in hours or days what would otherwise take weeks or months. question might be asked, well, Do most of those families, would they have enough means? Would they maybe have enough money or or possessions, et cetera? Would they have enough skills to maybe just build the barn on their own? Like we would? I mean, we would we would either get a loan or we'd save up money or on credit or something, you know, we'd we'd pay for somebody to build our barn for us, most likely. But instead, they come together and build and raise that barn together could they do it on their own maybe so but that's not the point the point is this life is better and more needs are met when we come together I've seen a lot of evidence of the church being like this in my life going back to my childhood and in all through 25, 26 years of ministry, I've seen a lot of evidence of the church being like this. I'll never forget in 1999 when we were in, in a church in Oklahoma. And in a land of many tornadoes, the mother of all tornadoes hit uh, Oklahoma. It, it, if you know anything about central Oklahoma, this band of tornadoes uh, came together in the sky and then came down and touched the ground in Chickasha. Oklahoma and stayed on the ground for 80 miles on a pattern running all the way up past the little town of Stroud, which much of which doesn't exist anymore. Stood, it was on the ground for 80 miles and in many places it was more than a half mile wide. The destruction came through the the southwest part of Oklahoma City and 12 of the families that were a part of our church either absolutely lost everything in their home clear down to the foundation or they lost most of it and i'll just never forget the way the church community rallied around those families i mean within just a matter of hours any basic need that they had for food clothing shelter any of those things was met and eventually there was just an abundance as people from around the country in, in churches were sending things directly to our church and 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 calling and asking what more can we do? And other people within the church were coming together, and it's a beautiful thing to see that. And I've seen it repeated in different ways here in this local church. When that is going on, that's not just going to church. That's being the church. That's a demonstration of something much bigger than us and something much greater and more fulfilling than just seeing our preferences and tastes met. That's belonging to God. That's the church being yours and really then becoming ours. A lot more than going to church, being the church. But I do want to make this clear point going to church helps us be the church met with very mild response but it's true going to church helps us be the church i want us to take a look at, at, at some scripture in the book of hebrews book of hebrews chapter 10 beginning at verse 23 says this let us hold tightly Without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. And let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Some translations say let us provoke one another to love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. In fact, some translations say, as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. When the church belongs to God, when the church is yours, encouragement gives motivation. The encouragement that we give to one another motivates us to be the church. When when we come together, what should happen here this morning, what should be going on here today, is that when we come here to give praise and honor and glory to God, not because of what happened this week, although that could be a part of it, but just simply because of who He is and He deserves it, and we recognize that everything is yours, all the glory, all the majesty, all the splendor. And everything that we have comes from you in the first place. So we're just going to come here today and affirm that once again. And when we do that, we also praise God for how he's currently blessing us. And when we come together to worship on Sundays, it should encourage us. And it should motivate us to be who we're called to be throughout the week. And when we come together in smaller groups... At this church, we call them life groups, and if you're not a part of one, you so much need to be. That's really a dynamic that was going on when you look at Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. They were getting together in each other's homes. And they weren't just so, well, can I fit it into my schedule this week? They were doing it every day. So are you asking me to do that, Pastor? No, I'm just begging you to do it once a week. How about two or three times a month? That would be great for many of us. But they were getting together in these small groups where they could speak to one another and talk to one another and know one another and pray for one another and learn together and grow together. And it's just simply the acknowledgement that I find here in Hebrews chapter 10 is this. And in Acts 2 and 4, we cannot do this thing. We can't be Christians, true Christians, and live out a Christ-like life, we can't be the church alone. Just your individual beliefs and you do for yourself whatever you do. If you want the abundant life that Jesus said he came to give, it is going to happen in community. I'd be, I'd be willing to discuss this with anybody, not, 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 not argue, but just look through the New Testament and tell me that you see a life lived out as a Lone Ranger Christian where all it matters is just what you mentally say you believe and a, a few things that you know from memory and could write down and say, well, I believe that, but it's not a part of how you live your lifestyle with other people. The Scripture here is so strong in saying to us That encouragement comes and motivation comes from coming together in the name of Jesus. I like uh, Craig Larson's description of being a church member. He, He describes it this way. He says, being a church member is a vocation, meaning it's a way of life. It means participation in an intricate web of hospitality, living at the intersection of human need and God's grace, inhabiting a community where men and women who don't fit are welcomed, where neglected children are noticed, where the stories of Jesus are told, and people who have no stories find that they do have stories, stories that are a part. Of Jesus' story. And being a church member places us strategically yet unobtrusively at a heavily trafficked intersection between heaven and earth. Being a part of a church, being fully committed to the life and health and growth of a community of believers is extremely, extremely important to being who Jesus has called us to be. And when the church is yours, when we say that, when the church is yours, God, the church, even this local church, is the hope of the world. Uh, Pastor, are you getting a little carried away? I mean, we're just a medium-sized church in a gigantic city, in a city that has gigantic churches, in a, in a place where, you know, most people have no idea what a Nazarene is. Wouldn't have a clue. Are you a cult? Is, that a, is it some sort of fruit? What, what is it? And by the way, do we all, we all know what Nazarene refers to? It refers to a person whose name is Jesus. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Nazarene. So anytime somebody asks you what a Nazarene is, just start right there. Don't try to explain 16 articles of faith to them if you know any of those articles of faith. Well, you know, it's, it's about Jesus. That's, that's who the Nazarene is. When the church is yours, yeah, even this church This, when I say church, I really shouldn't point down to the foundation of this building. I should say, when this church is yours, we're the hope of the world. Really? Yeah, I'll stand by that. When Jesus lives in us and lives through us, we become... His body, his hands, his feet, his voice, moving around, doing, loving, caring in the world, living out and speaking out God's love, his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy, his redemptive power to restore and change people's lives and change their eternal destiny when we're doing that we're the hope of the world and if this is not if this is not what you think of the church if this is not what you think the church is what i just described if you don't think that's what the church is particularly if you don't think that's what this church is Then let it start with you. Let it start with you. And you ask yourself Do I belong to God? God, am I yours? And if so, Lord, then I understand that means that I belong to others. I love the story that uh, Pastor Craig Groeschel, Groeschel tells in, uh, in his book, The Christian Atheist. He tells a story about um, a pastor who, uh, after uh, preaching a sermon and finishing a, a worship service, went out into the, the lobby to, to greet some folks. And this, uh, this young man came up to him, and he shook his hand, and he looked at the pastor, and he said... The answer is yes. Now what's the question? And the pastor was kind of confused and, and kind of had to look on his face. And so the young man repeated it. He said, Pastor, my answer is yes. Now what's the question? And the pastor just kind of smiled awkwardly and said, could you help me a little bit here? Could you ex- kind of explain what, what you're saying to me? And when he did that the young man's eyes watered up a little bit and his voice started shaking a little bit and he said pastor about six months ago i was in an adulterous relationship and my life was spiraling wildly crazily out of control and he said i was at the risk of losing my marriage my family and even my job and he said in the middle of that huge mess which i brought on myself. I came to church here, and you had a message about the power of Jesus Christ to change somebody's life. And it seemed like, when you were preaching that sermon, that you knew everything about me, and that everything you were saying was intended for me. He said that evening, at the insistence of my wife, who was going to church, I agreed to go to a small group. And he said, I was terrified of that, very nervous about it, not looking forward to it. I was afraid they would uh, ask me questions I couldn't answer, and they'd see right through me. But he said, instead, I was shocked when they just were so kind and gracious, and just kind of took me in and he said that that night somebody in that group invited me to meet the Jesus that you talked about and I invited Christ to change my life and I'm here to tell you he did he says today my marriage and my family are better than they've ever been before and God used this church to change my life so pastor what I want to know is what's the question because my answer is yes anything you need me to do anything you want me to do anything I can do for these people you tell me And my answer is yes. So when it comes to the church, is the church yours? And if so, you understand that's when it's ours. What about it? What's What's your answer when it comes to the church? Yeah, if I have time, if I can fit that in, oh, if so-and-so will do it, I'll do it. Just imagine how life might change for us and for a whole lot of other people if you and I were willing to say first to God and then to his church, my answer is yes. Anything, anywhere, anytime, all the glory belongs to God. I want us to share together today in one of the Things that the early church devoted themselves to. We call it communion. Sometimes we call it the Lord's Supper. It is uh, something that's very important to us because it reminds us who Jesus is and what he's done for us and the grace of God. It also should remind us what the church is all about. I tell you before the servers come that you don't have to be a member of this church. And some of you think, well, what is a member of this church? kind of on two levels. There are official members who fully commit themselves to this church, identifying with what we believe and commit to serving. And if you want to become a member, we've got a membership luncheon coming up on February the 24th. And many of you say, well, I'm not an official member. Do I still belong? And my answer is, if you you belong to the Lord and you identify with this community, then you belong. Absolutely. You don't have to be an official member of this church to Receive the grace of the Lord through the Lord's Supper today. Just uh, somebody who has an open heart and a heart of faith to Jesus Christ. So the ushers are going to come. I'm going to ask them to, to serve you the elements. I want you to take the cup and take the bread and hold on to it, and we'll share together. As they're coming now, I, I want you to think about a few things while, uh, while you're receiving these elements. You're going to take the bread. And hey, I know this communion bread is not delicious to, to taste. And uh, I, I wish it tasted better, if, I, if I'm honest with you, because I think it, in, a, in a way it should taste good to us, because it should remind us that Jesus is the bread of life. And that means that in Jesus, every true need we have can be met in our lives. And he's enough to sustain us. Another thing that we think about the bread is is how it reminds us that Jesus' body was broken for us. And so in the church, we have a lot of brokenness. Not everybody in here, especially including me, has it all together. Every one of us has got some brokenness in our lives. And in Jesus' death and suffering, he identifies with our brokenness but because of who he is and what he accomplished there by the power of God we can be healed and restored. The cup symbolizes his blood which speaks to us about forgiveness. And it's a wonderful thing to be forgiven by the grace of God. Know that he forgives your sins and that through his blood you can be redeemed, changed. You can be redeemed Reconciled, you can be restored. And that's the message of hope that we have for one another and we should be taking outside of these walls. So there's so much here when we do this together beyond just some ritual. It's a reminder of who Jesus is and who we are in him. So let's think about that today. Lord, we thank you this moment and we thank you for your sacrifice for us we thank you for the power of the cross that in your brokenness and in your death you made a new and perfect way once and for all that we could know our heavenly father we thank you today that by the power of god you were raised from the dead And that you've sent your Holy Spirit into your church. And that you've promised to return for us. We thank you for these moments together. And we ask that as we take these elements, we take in the grace of God. And we prepare ourselves to live it out. First in the church, and then in our community. We pray this in Jesus' name that you will bless the elements. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he passed it among his friends and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Let's take and eat and remember that Jesus was broken for us. And he took the cup and he passed it among his friends and followers and said, This is the new covenant of my blood shed for you take and drink and remember that through jesus christ you have forgiveness for sin by his grace may we be the church he's called us to be